HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Root 11 Potato Chips. Made with a secret recipe and superior ingredients, their mission is to make an outstanding product in a safe and clean environment. To learn more, visit rt11.com. Hi, I'm Mike Schreiber. Welcome to The Shameless Chef, the show that takes us back in time to home kitchens in the 1970s, but still has a lot to teach us today. I developed this show with Michael Davenport in 1977. He was the original host of The Shameless Chef, and he shared his fearless attitudes towards food and encouraged home cooks to have fun and take some risks in the kitchen. I'm excited to keep this legacy alive and share The Shameless Chef with you on Heritage Radio Network. Today, I'm sharing stories to encourage you to try something new, whether it be a new recipe or a new food altogether. If you've been listening to the show, you know Michael was proud of his segments about crazy soups and crazy salads because he wanted to redefine what these things could be. The great thing that came about from Michael's crazy soups specifically was my willingness to try out my friend Laura's grape soup. This was just one of those times that listening to Michael's ideas led me to try other unique ideas from other people. I was always amazed at how narrow my thinking was until my horizons were expanded because of the shameless chef. Of course, there were times when some of these new ideas didn't turn out so well, but there were other times when it was great, like Laura's cold white grape gazpacho with cream and dill and a little cayenne. Now, it's now become one of my annual favorites. It's strange how edible things can start out as weeds in meadow and forest and end up quite respectably in our kitchens. Fungus, mushrooms and truffles. Sage has made its way from horse opera to Thanksgiving stuffing. Even I, the bad weed of all time, end up in the kitchen and on the air as the shameless chef. I was chatting with friends recently about oddities and weeds, the peculiar things indeed that turn up on the shelves of natural food stores, and somebody brought up fiddlehead ferns. Although not exactly weeds, you won't find them growing in the average truck garden. Nor do you hear of the Fiddlehead Fern Growers Co-op of California, but who knows. Fiddleheads are ferns, and they are edible, and they are delectable. You can buy them fresh in markets that specialize in culinary esoterica. I'm told you can even buy them frozen, although I've not encountered them that way. They have a greeny, asparagus-like flavor, and they should be cooked with a minimum of water and a minimum of time, with salt and either butter or hollandaise added when serving. 
Now, you don't have to look far in field and meadow to discover another weed goody. It grows in maddening profusion on your lawn, the dandelion. I've had dandelion wine and found it quite uh, remarkable. Instead of cursing dandelions, why don't you pick them and eat them? Uh, not, may I warn you, the fuzzy blow-away blossoms. The greens. You parboil them lightly and give them a dash of garlic, mint, or bacon. And there's collard greens, once the staple of the pitifully impoverished, now the very soul of soul food. You can find collard in the fields, if you're a sufficiently knowledgeable agronomist, but I found them in my market. Doc. There's another one. Doc grows wild in the West and the Middle West, and it's best in the early spring. There's sour doc and curly-leafed doc and all those. You cook it like spinach or any other green. Uh, then there's a pokeweed and sorrel and heaven knows what all. I guess if you're hungry enough, adventuresome enough, and shameless enough, you'll bring anything in and cook it. I'm Michael A. Davenport, known as the uh, Shameless Chef. Another bad weed. We've talked before about the surprise of crudités, or raw vegetables served as canapes. Now I want to tell you how to cook some things that you usually serve raw. Another shame from The Shameless Chef. I always distrust tried-and-true recipes and methods of cooking. There are a lot of eminently enjoyable foods that are usually served raw and yet become a whole other thing when cooked. Cucumbers, for example. Mm -hmm. Peel, de-seed, and cut into spears just everyday cucumbers. Saute them lightly in butter with salt, pepper, and a dash of vinegar, about five minutes to a side, and they're something else. <laughs> Spinach is usually served either cooked to death or just as it grows in salads. How about something in between, wilted spinach? Prepare fresh, fresh spinach as usual, uh, wash it, and uh, try to get all the sand out. Make regular vinegar and oil dressing with salt and pepper and maybe a pinch or so of sugar and heat it over the range to almost boiling. Toss the hot dressing over the spinach until it wilts slightly, not droopy, just slightly wilted. It's really remarkable, especially if you add bacon bits and slices of hard-boiled egg. You can do the same thing with lettuce. Uh, another thing to cook, fresh pears. Peel, core, and slice them, then gently poach them in simmering water with some sugar and a slice or two of lemon. Takes about 15 minutes. You can serve them hot or chilled. Now, don't overcook any of these. As a matter of fact, most things should be barely cooked, al dente, as they say. But heat does change good old standbys into something slightly glamorous. My name is Michael A. Davenport. I enjoy being the shameless chef, and so do my dinner guests. Ciao. A crotchy relative of mine once opined, artichoke not on your life, I'm not going to eat that cactus. <laughs> well, it does look formidable, but with a little instruction, a little tempting sorcery, I turned my opinionated relative around. This is the shameless chef, an ardent fan of artichokes. My crotchety relative was nearly right about the artichoke. It isn't the cactus, but it is the bud of a giant thistle. As a matter of fact, around Half Moon Bay in California, where the majority of artichokes are grown, you can see them in full bloom, great purple blossoms deserving of a centerpiece. But it's the artichoke as a delicacy for the palate that we address ourselves to today. 
Now, in buying artichokes, make sure they're fresh. They are if they squeak when you squeeze them. <laughs> they can either be grapefruit large or palm size small, though the larger ones tend to have more flavor. Now, there's nothing to cooking them. Trim off of all but an inch of the stem, pull off the tough outer leaves, and immerse in boiling water with some salt, uh, lemon juice, or vinegar to keep them from going brown, and a little flavoring like a, a couple of pods of garlic. They need to cook from 20 to 40 minutes, depending on the size. They're done when the top leaves pull out without any resistance. Drain them upside down. Serve them hot with hollandaise sauce or, or drawn butter. Serve them cold with mayonnaise. You don't know how to eat them? <laughs> Neither did my crotchety relative. You, you pull the leaves off one at a time and dip them in the appropriate sauce, clamp the fleshy end of the leaf between the teeth, and pull. <laughs> Allow a container for the leftover tops of the leaves. Now, down in the center is the heart of the artichoke. When you get there, you use a spoon or a knife to get rid of the fuzzy part, and then smack your lips over the remaining meat. As stated, I am an hysterical fan of the artichoke, and I bemoan the fact that few restaurants serve it. It's so easy to prepare at home. What difference? It's great for picnics and, and other portable meals as well. This is Michael A. Davenport, the shameless chef. Artichoke lovers of the world, unite. There will be more stories from the shameless chef after this break. This episode is brought to you by Root 11 Potato Chips. From the moment Root 11 dropped their first batch of chips back in the early days of 1992, they understood their destiny as a high-quality producer. Instead of succumbing to the frenzy of mass production, they took advantage of their small size and made chipping a personal art form. The payoff was immediate, an incredible potato chip. With a secret recipe and superior ingredients, their mission is to make an outstanding product in a safe and clean environment. In this world of uncertainty that we live in, Root 11 potato chips believe comfort food can be just that. Know where your food comes from. To learn more, visit rt11.com. Welcome back to The Shameless Chef. Somewhere, sometime, our average American palates, our average American eating habits have been conditioned to think that main courses are meat and vegetables, desserts are something sweet or fruity or both. And there we are, and that's how we continue to eat. This is The Shameless Chef. Is it truly shameless to think of combining fruit and meat as a main course? Well, now all sweeping generalizations, including this one, are dumb. Part of our great American tradition is a dish that combines meat and fruit, the classic springtime ham. We cook the leg of pork in glorious four color with all manner of fruit up to and including maraschino cherries and candied pineapple. But there's been the gradual encroachment, too, of foreign cookery so that fish prepared veronique, that is with white grapes, is not totally strange to us. Ethnic cooking introduced us to the Jewish simis, or stew cooked with dried prunes, or sometimes figs. Well, I have a splendid variation of this Eastern delicacy, which we'll call pot roast California. I'll not attempt to give you the recipe in detail on the air, but you can write me here at the station for the particulars. If you're a fairly experienced cook, you can pick up on the idea from a few sketchy comments. The exact proportions are relative anyway, as is a lot of cooking. Now, you prepare a suitable cut of meat for a pot roast in the customary manner with salt and pepper and add a little powdered ginger. Brown the meat and place it in a heavy cooking pan with some garlic and onions, oil and water. But add to it a generous amount of either dried mushrooms or canned ones and about a cup and a half of dried prunes. 
and an equal amount of ripe olives uh, pitted naturally. What? I can hear you say it. Prunes? Yes, that funny fruit we all giggle about. It's sort of a simis, but with West Coast overtones. Quickly again, usual pot roast flavored with ginger, onions, garlic, oil and water, dried or canned mushrooms, a couple of handfuls or so of dried prunes, and ripe olives. The meat not only tastes sensational, but the gravy... As I say, if you need the exact measurements, write me here at the station for California Pot Roast, and I'll send you the recipe plus the week's cooking tips. <laughs> Michael A. Davenport here, the shameless chef. I hear you mutter, prunes and pot roast gone quite over the hill he has. And I agree. So this lady was looking through my spice cabinet with all the curiosity of Inspector Clouseau. Coriander, she said with a slightly raised eyebrow. What do you use that for? Well, being the shameless chef, I looked her directly in her beady little eye and replied, in almond soup, what else? I can recall the days when such household goodies as rosemary and turmeric and allspice and, and thyme were considered ever so slightly furrin and slightly exotic, but not so today. Uh, but there are still a, a few flavorings that escape the ordinary shopper, and coriander is one of those. How many times have you seen coriander on the spice shelf in your grocery and wondered, as did my beady-eyed friend, what's that for? Uh, th- throughout the Middle East and the Mediterranean, coriander is used all the time also in Indian and Mexican cooking. The flavor is moderately sweet and smacks ever so slightly of citrus. So this means it can be used in pastries as well as main dishes, in pickling, desserts. Once you've used it and you know it, you'll make as much use of it as you do nutmeg, maybe even more. So just to get you started, consider this. Almond soup. Yep, you heard me. Now, here, as always, I'll give you the bare essentials. If you want a chapter and verse recipe, write me here at the station and I'll give it to you. Almond soup. Add about a cup of blanched and finely ground almonds to three cups of chicken stock. Flavor with onion, bay leaf, and a liberal dashing of coriander. Hmm? Add some heavy cream, and then thicken with, oh, say, four egg yolks, a little salt and pepper, maybe some almond flavoring if you wish to heighten it, and voila, hmm, almond soup. Now, don't curl your lip, although you do look beautiful when you're snaring. Now, just think about the combinations of those flavorings, and you might just salivate. Who'd think you could make a soup of lemons, eggs, and cream with some chicken stock? But you can. It's a very famous Greek dish. And after all, if you don't do something different now and then in the kitchen, you have no right to complain about the same old dull routine at the dinner table. Uh, Michael A. Davenport here. I can think of a lot of things more outrageous than almond soup. Don't you know how stuffy they are about those things when you say them on the air? (laughs) Ciao. Please subscribe to The Shameless Chef wherever you get your podcasts. The voice you heard throughout this episode was Michael Davenport, the host of The Shameless Chef, who unfortunately passed in 1985, but lived a truly vibrant life. The Shameless Chef is produced by Dylan Hoyer and me, Mike Schreiber, with podcast development and additional production by Kat Johnson. The original theme song for The Shameless Chef was composed by Chip Davis. Armin Spengen composed the theme music for this podcast. The Shameless Chef 
is powered by Simplecast. The Shameless Chef is a production of Heritage Radio Network, the world's pioneer food radio station. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org and follow us at heritage underscore radio.